Welcome back, everybody. This is time for our Bible study. But before we have our Bible study, we are going to have the next clue for our quiz. Quiz. Alrighty. Next clue. A company of prophets from this city went looking for Elijah after he had been taken away in a chariot of fire. Okay. If you think you know what city that was, call us on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And you can get your hands on a New King James Bible. In my opinion, that's the most obscure clue that we've had so far. And it's number three. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon. Okay, I, 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 guess, this, I guess it depends which part of the Bible you have uh, studied the most. Yeah, that's true. Very but anyway, um, definitely do give us a call right now. Free copy of the Bible coming your way. Um, 1-800-324. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four. Six six nine. It is Bible study time. Woo-hoo! Jasmine, we are talking about um, intercessory prayer this morning, and we're particularly looking at this interesting passage in Daniel chapter ten. And I thought we might actually consider something from Daniel chapter nine, because Daniel chapter nine has passages in it that relate to intercessory prayer in relationship to the question of the day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because Daniel chapter 9 is a prayer. Yeah. Apart from the first couple of verses and the last few verses, which is the explanation of a prophecy. The bulk of Daniel chapter 9 is a prayer. And so I thought we would start there because it shows us a little bit of how Daniel prayed. And then we'll go to chapter 10. All righty. Okay, so uh, where are we? Let's start in uh, Daniel chapter 9 and... Verse 3 through 6. Let's read those. Alrighty. It says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Okay, so when you read this particular passage right here, what is Daniel actually doing in his prayer? He is repenting. He's saying sorry. And he is saying sorry for whose sins? For the nation as a whole. For the nation as a whole. Okay, so this was something that we were looking at yesterday where we found that Job asked for the forgiveness of sins for his children. Mm-hmm. Jesus asked forgiveness of sins for those that were nailing him to the cross. Mm-hmm. And Daniel asking is asking forgiveness for, for, his people. for his people. Now, of course, Daniel was somebody who was always a servant of God. He had never turned away from God. He had never gone into idolatry. He talks about the idolatry all the way through this passage here in chapter 9. He talks about the idolatry that they had gone into and he asked forgiveness for the sins of his people in going into idolatry. But this is not something that he had done. Now, of course, Daniel was not sinless. No human being is sinless. Mm -hmm. But idolatry was never one of his sins. And turning away from God was never one of his sins. He'd always been a servant of God. He had always been a follower of God. He never was anything else, and yet he is confessing and asking for forgiveness 
of the sins of his people for their idolatry and for their turning away from God. That's very interesting. We found out yesterday that that is actually, you can do that. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. And what it does is, as we mentioned in the, in the question of the day yesterday, uh, sin separates us from God. And when sin separates us from God, it makes the work of the Holy Spirit so much harder to reach us. Mm. And so uh, when we pray for... For other people to come to God, we can also pray that you know the Lord will forgive them of their sins to give the Holy Spirit access to that particular person. Yeah. Um, and so this is a very uh, special and important... Um, so is that what Daniel is doing here? He's asking for the Holy Spirit to work on the heart of his people? What's oh, this? absolutely, because he wants to see his people come back to God. He wants to see his people come back to God so that... They can go back to Jerusalem and to Judea and to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. That's what he's, he's praying been about. He's studying that that will happen and that will take place. He has found that the time has almost arrived. He has been reading in the book of Jeremiah and he's like, okay, this is a 70 year prophecy here. I know how many years I've been in captivity for. Uh, the time is coming up and he needs to know more information about it because he's a bit confused over the 2300-day prophecy that he's just had. And so, yeah, this is what he's praying about. Anyway, Daniel was a praying person. And when you go to Daniel chapter 6, you find that Daniel is praying three times a day. Daniel chapter 9 is actually telling you the prayer that he was praying. For those three times a day? Yes. Wow. This is the prayer that he was praying, and this was the purpose, because both of them are happening in the first year of Darius. Yeah. And so what you find is that the book of Daniel is written, you know, typically, you know, Hebrew style uh, of writing, where it's, it is collated by subject matter rather than, by, uh, rather than chronologically. So yeah. you have six historical chapters followed by six prophetic chapters, and this one is clued, included as one of the prophetic chapters. Wow, super cool. And that's why it's a little bit, uh, normally you would have uh, probably, you know, if it was one of us who was writing the book of Daniel, we might have, you know, Daniel chapter 9 coming before Daniel chapter 6, putting it in its correct chronological place. And then we would read it through. It's like, oh, this is what Daniel was praying. And oh, and then he got locked up and thrown into the lion's den Ah. for praying this prayer and not praying to Darius, the Mede. Interesting stuff that we have here in the book of Daniel. Let's now go over to chapter 10. Because, well, actually, no, let's give it a little bit more context. Yeah. Let's go to chat Daniel 9 and verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2 says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahusserus, of the lineage of the Medes, you're smiling like I said that totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was just epic. Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus. Yes. Of the lineage of the Medes. I don't know whether that's actually correct, by the way. Yours is probably correct. Oh, well. There you go. If you think you know. <laughs> if you're good on Persian, let us know. All right. So, in anyhow, his lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord given through Jeremiah the prophet that he would establish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Okay. So, here we know that he has been studying his Bible. Um, this is a book of the Bible that has just been written because written by Jeremiah. Yeah. And Jeremiah is a contemporary of Daniel. And, of course, Jeremiah is writing from Egypt where he has gone into exile. So he's in exile down there in Egypt. He writes the book of Jeremiah. Somehow or other, Daniel gets a copy of it. I was going to say, do we know how that happened? 
Somebody travelled from Egypt to Babylon. We don't know who it was. We don't know how it happened. But somehow Daniel got a copy. Yeah, well, Daniel's pretty high up in the... Um, in his position, so it probably gives him access to a fair bit of material, I guess? Yes, I would say so. And because he's Prime Minister of the Empire, um, there's every likelihood that, you know, Jeremiah sent him a copy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? That would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, I've got a mate over there in Babylon. He's Prime Minister. I'll send him a copy. That's very cool. Yeah. We don't know, but uh, he receives this copy. He studies it. And he suddenly realizes that within this copy, there is a prophecy of the 70-year captivity of the Jews. Mm-hmm. So having read that prophecy, he's like, okay, we need to be praying about this. And when you come to chapter 10, that's the context for chapter 10. Why don't you take, go over to chapter 10 and verse, uh, verse 1 for us, please. Chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Okay, so which year of Cyrus's reign is this? This is the third year. The third year of Cyrus's reign, so it's now five years after Daniel chapter 9. Okay. So the third year of Cyrus's reign uh, in the city of Babylon, and he has a vision. This vision came about as the result of something that Daniel was doing. Verse 2 and 3, please. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay, so Daniel has decided to fast and pray about something very, very important to him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Any idea why Daniel has chosen this particular point in history to spend three weeks in fasting and prayer? Mm, perhaps it's a, uh, a festival time. Could be. Could, Could be. be that he's just um, he's getting worried because it hasn't taken place yet. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that's exactly what I see taking place here, is that uh, the time is now up. Mm-hmm. It is. This is the year that uh, uh, that that um, has been given to Daniel as you know through Jeremiah is the year that the captives in Babylon are going to be set free. Yeah. Well, you see, he's very he is very intense about it. He's for, he's mourning and fasting for three full weeks about whatever this issue is, um, because. Sorry. Yeah. He, 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 uh, he, he, <coughs> sorry about that. Sorry, I'm just kind quite, of left you there. I'm quite, 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 kind of dying over here in the corner right now. Bit of hay fever kicking in. Um. But in any case, the prayer that he's praying is getting really serious because the time is up. Have, so, have you ever fasted and prayed? I have, yes. Have you ever fasted and prayed for two days? Yes, two days. Three? No. <laughs> How about three weeks? Oh, that's got to be pretty wild. Yeah. And we need to remember that this is not a, uh, a total fast. It's a fast from uh, it's a fast from processed foods. Okay. So the Bible says he ate no pleasant food. In other words, he was just eating plain food. Mm-hmm. So this is a fast of, uh, you know, salads and steamed veggies and fruit and that kind of stuff. So it's very, very, it's like a, it's like a health cleanse. He has a bit of a health cleanse. 
which is probably one of the reasons why Daniel lived two lifetimes in his era. He actually lived double the average lifetime of that particular era. Yeah, that's really cool. We actually we see that in the first chapter of Daniel, that Daniel's passionate about health. <laughs> that's right. He is indeed. Okay, so he goes on this fast. And really what has happened is that the time has come for the Jews to be released and nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Jewish people are not even on Cyrus's radar. Cyrus is busy, has a lot on his plate. He's just conquered a massive portion of the world. He's just come into possession of an empire vastly bigger than anything that has ever existed before. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it, when Cyrus was actually coming to power, there were four superpowers in the world. Okay, so your four yeah. superpowers were media, Lydia, not Libya, but Lydia, yeah. which is modern-day Turkey, uh, Babylon, and Egypt. Yeah. And he takes the Median Empire when the Median general defects to his cause. Mm-hmm. And the Median army comes over to him, and so he takes the Median Empire. The Lydians then go, oh, the Median Empire is unstable, and the Median Empire was their biggest threat because it was... Um, you know, one of those four superpowers, and it's kind of hard to have four superpowers, much easier to have one superpower. And so the Lydians invade because they're thinking, okay, media is uh, is all unstable. They've just had a change of uh, government over there. This this new kid Cyrus, on you know, new kid on the block Cyrus has just come <laughs> to power. Let's invade. And so they do. And Cyrus is forced to confront the threat. Yeah. And wins very, very narrowly um, over the Lydians and takes the Lydian Empire. Once he's taken Lydia and Media, he now has the largest empire in the world, but the Lydians made an, an, an alliance with the Babylonians and the Egyptians. So you've got four superpowers in the world. Yep. And you've got Cyrus, who, is, who's, who becomes in charge of the third superpower, sorry, the fourth superpower, and the other three ally against him. Yeah. So he's kind of in a very precarious situation. But once he's taken Lydia, he now has in one empire a big enough empire to take on the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. takes on Babylon and he conquers Babylon. He leaves it, of course, to his, his, to his son Cambyses to take on Egypt. And eventually Persia just takes on all of them and rules all four. Yeah. But that's getting ahead of the story. But you can imagine that, you know, the Jewish people are a very small people. They yeah, they're, what... they're a micro-nation. Yeah, what what are the problems of the Jews to anybody? Yeah, why why would Cyrus be worried about them? They're a micro nation that have been taken into captivity, into exile. They are living in Babylon. They're not causing him any trouble right now. Uh, Jerusalem is 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 down there in the land of Judea, but it's in ruins. And why would you really want you know a fortress city like that to be built again? Because it can be easily become a threat. Mm-hmm. You know. There's a lot of reasons for Cyrus to not be thinking about the Jews. So which is why you think Daniel's praying so intensely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nothing is happening. What is interesting is that when Daniel starts praying, guess what happens? What? Nothing. <laughs> nothing happens. And he continues praying and nothing is happening. And he continues praying and nothing is happening. Nothing, nothing, nothing. A whole lot of nothing is happening. Okay, so... Then uh, he has a vision of Jesus Christ. We find that in verse 6 and 7. We might come back and look at that in a little bit more detail in just a moment. But Mm -hmm. then Gabriel comes to speak with him. 
Let's pick it up in verse 10, uh, where Gabriel turns up. Alrighty, it says, Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Keep going. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Okay, let's stop and think about this for a moment, because this is one of those great passages where the curtain is just peeled back and we get a vision of what is... We get a glimpse of what is taking place behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we work our way through this, Gabriel comes along and says, look, fear not. For from the first day that you began to pray, your words were heard. Why does Gabriel say that to Daniel, do you think? Probably because he's so discouraged. He hasn't seen anything going on. So he's wondering, where are my prayers going? So Gabriel turns up and says, don't worry, don't freak out. From the first day that you began to pray, your words were heard and I came for your prayers. So let's, let's, let's look at what's happening here. Daniel prays. Yep. He is fasting and praying. The moment that he begins to fast and pray, Gabriel is commissioned by God in heaven to come down to this earth. Now, this is the most powerful angel God's got in heaven right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So Gabriel, none, none, no, no less than Gabriel himself, personally leaves heaven, flies to this earth, and begins to work behind the scenes. We see the great controversy happening here. Begins to work behind the scenes on Cyrus's heart to sort of start Cyrus thinking, start Cyrus down the path of thinking about the Jewish issue. Yeah. But Cyrus has got bigger things on his plate. And when Gabriel turns up, he is not the only person there. Huh. There is also the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Yes, very and interesting. And if you read that in a modern translation, it's going to say the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Huh. In other words, the demon that has been assigned to make sure that the Persians do the will of Satan and not the will of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So, so you've this got, is... Oh, spiritual conflict. Yeah, hinting at that this is Satan himself. Satan is called the prince of the kingdom, uh, the, the, prince of the, the prince of this world, the prince of the air. There's a whole bunch of... Uh, Words that are very similar to this that describe um, Satan, the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the prince of... Um, yeah, so this is, this is language that could actually point to Satan himself personally. And when you look at the story, there is definitely an indication that this is one of those occasions when Jesus and Satan do come face to face. Mm-hmm. But the important thing that we have here is that when Daniel prays, his prayer is heard. Yes. Gabriel comes for his prayer and Gabriel begins work. And Gabriel works for three weeks. Mm. And Gabriel is working and working and working and working. And you have one of the most powerful angels in heaven who is working. And, and Satan is there and Satan is resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. And there is a struggle taking place because Satan doesn't want God's people to go back to their promised land. He doesn't want the temple to be rebuilt. He doesn't want any of this, thing, any of this happening. And there is a massive spiritual com- conflict that is taking place behind the scenes. But it's not left there. 
because then somebody else arrives and everything changes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are in our Encounter with God section and we are talking about Daniel chapter 10 and Daniel's prayers in Daniel 10, 9 and 10 because they're both intercessory prayers. Mm-hmm. And so our week this week we're talking about intercessory prayer. And so what we found was that Daniel prays and nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens that he can see. Yeah. How many times have you prayed and thought nothing is happening? Countless, definitely in the large majority of my press. Okay, and sometimes you see those dramatic answers, but a lot of the time we don't see what is happening because it happens behind the scenes. And every now and then, God will give us a behind-the-scenes glimpse so that we can see what is happening. Mm-hmm. The moment that Daniel started to pray, everything started to happen. He just couldn't see it. Yeah. Gabriel leaves the courts of heaven. He arrives in the court of Cyrus, the Persian. Satan realizes what is happening. Satan flips out that, yes, the prophecy has come to an end. We don't want the Jews going back, and he's going to do everything he can to stop it. So he also arrives in the court of Babylon, the court of Cyrus the Persian. And so you have uh, Gabriel and Satan waging war over the mind of Cyrus. Daniel doesn't see it. Cyrus doesn't see it. Cyrus has no idea what is taking place, but the war is being waged, and Gabriel is not winning. Mm. Three weeks go by, Daniel doesn't stop praying, and Gabriel doesn't stop working, but eventually Gabriel's like, okay, this is not working, or God is looking down from heaven and going, okay, it's not working out. He needs backup. And so he sends, or Jesus Christ comes. Mm. And what this does, what this illustrates for us is very simply how much God actually cares for us and, and to what lengths God will go. Yeah. Because Daniel is a human being. He's just like you and I. He's not, you know, uh, he has a, a position of tremendous responsibility. But you know, as far as being a human goes, he's just another human like you and I. And when Daniel prays and he sees nothing happening, God is working and, but what God does for Daniel, he will do for you and I. Mm-hmm. If we pray and if we fast and pray, God is prepared to send his most powerful angel to our aid. Not only is he prepared to send his most powerful angel to, his, to our aid, he is prepared to personally come down here himself wow. to intercede on our behalf Amen. and to work on our behalf. And what I find is interesting is that the moment that Jesus turns up, the battle is all over. It's done. Gabriel's like, yeah, I don't need to worry about this anymore. Hey, while I'm here, let me go and give Daniel a great prophecy. And you've got the prophecy of Daniel chapter 11 and 12. Yeah. So Gabriel's like, I am done with Cyrus. You know, Michael has turned up. Jesus Christ has turned up. I don't need to be here anymore. I'm going to go and deal with this, uh, this prophecy over here. And the battle is won because every time that Jesus and Satan come into conflict with each other, Jesus always wins. Mm. This perhaps, I hope it's not going off topic, but why do you think that Jesus didn't show up earlier? That's a really good question. Why do you think? I'm not sure. It it would definitely be worth studying into. I have never stopped to think about the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. 
It's definitely a question that would be good to ask Jesus one day. Yeah. Was it because we need to know this story and to see how things work? I, I just don't know. Well, there you go. That's a really good study study that you can look into if you uh-huh. if you want. If you know the answer to that question, then please um, give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. It's it's actually. I don't know. It's very encouraging that Gabriel doesn't just launch straight into the next vision, though. He actually takes the time to say, hey, I know that was really discouraging. Because Daniel was praying what we just discovered for like five years for something to happen. And then especially mourning and fasting in, um, in that recent time. But that's very encouraging, too, that God cared enough to say, hey, look, something was going on. You just didn't know it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. But yeah, we will find out the answer to that question one day. But what we do find out is this. When you pray and when you intercede with God, God is prepared to personally come down and answer your prayer. If you think about you know, some other instances in the life of Daniel, you've got his three friends that have thrown into the burning fiery furnace. And it's not an angel from heaven. It's not another human being. It's not a great prophet or anything like that that turns up to, to be there with them and to go through that experience with them. It is Jesus Christ himself who is standing there with mm, them wow. in the burning, fiery furnace. That's how far, that's how much Jesus cares for you as an individual. Mm. I mean, these are minor individuals in the Bible. They are hardly ever mentioned. We only find them in two chapters of the Bible. But we find that when they are in a time of crisis, Jesus is prepared to personally turn up himself. Wow. And this is something that, you know, you need to think about today as a listener. And I'm sure that many of our listeners today are facing crises. Mm. And if you are facing a crisis right now, you need to remember that you serve a God and that we can reach out to a God who would rather leave heaven and come to this earth to, uh, to render aid on your behalf than to see you, you know, collapse under the crisis that you are in right now. That's yeah. the kind of God that we serve, and that's the opportunity that we have to, uh, to be able to, you know, that's the, the kind of person that we're able to, to um, connect with. Yeah. Did we do our next quiz for our clue for our quiz? We didn't actually. We missed that. Just noticed that, do you jump that back to when it? the phone rang. Yes, please. Alrighty. So next clue. This is still the what city am I? This was the home of Rahab the prostitute. Okay, where did Rahab the prostitute live? If you know where Rahab the prostitute lived or where she initially lived, where she came from, uh, then... You can text 0491 or 064669 or you can call us on 1-800-324-843. Okay, this is an interesting text that's just come through from a listener. Yeah. Okay, so Darren's written in to say it's a bit like... Okay, think about this. Mm -hmm. Jesus not showing up until Lazarus died. Oh, wow. Very good. Good observation. Good observation. Yeah. Okay, so you've got, you've got, okay, so why didn't Jesus turn up when Lazarus was sick and healing when he was sick? To reveal his power. To reveal the power of God. So why didn't Jesus turn up until three weeks after Daniel started praying? To reveal his power. Mm. Especially because this, that account is written down and recorded that. As yes, soon as he yes, shows up, then yes. everything changes. Yes. 
It's also very important to note that God's covenant faithfulness was on the line here as well. You're coming down to the very end. He said this prophecy would take place and it had to happen just as he said that it would. So it's a very serious event. Sorry, you were, you were going to say something? No, 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 no. Keep going, keep going. Um, yeah, very serious event. God's covenant faithfulness is on the line. Um, so he had to ensure that it took place as he said that it would. Indeed. Okay, so I'm starting, to, I'm starting to see a whole bunch of things come through here. The other thing that I'm seeing coming through is that if Jesus had not waited for three weeks mm-hmm. and he just instantly turned up and we had the story in the Bible, then we would always be expecting an instant answer to our prayer wow. and we would not recognize that sometimes our prayers aren't going to be answered straight away. But when you've got one of the greatest prophets of the Bible who's waited for three weeks... We, we recognize that in the great controversy, sometimes these things take time. Yeah. And it always happens in God's timing and according to his will. We serve an amazing God. By the way, we have had Bruce who has uh, sent in a message, uh, why did Jesus turn up? Only Jesus can save us, not an angel. Satan is an angel. Two angels fighting each other gets us nowhere. Yeah. And so you've got that lesson you know, clearly brought out right here in uh, the story of you know Daniel's prayer of Daniel chapter 10. So yeah. two angels fighting wasn't going to get anywhere, but when Jesus turned up, the battle was all over. 